You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Listen, turn with me to James chapter 1 verse 3. This is where we, where we were last Wednesday night. I'm going to continue on uh, my series on spiritual momentum. Um, uh, I want to say this to you, though, about what Pastor Sean talked about, about making our, letting our light shine, the light that God shines on us, you know, about giving. I just want to share this, this uh, uh, quick story about Julie and I. Um, because I, you know, just when we were sitting there, I was listening to that. It just sparked that in me. I'm like, someone needs to hear this. Someone needs to hear this because people get caught up and say, well, God said, you know, don't, don't let people know this and don't tell people about that and don't do this and don't do that. But guys, you have to take the full counsel of God. So many people will take one scripture and say, well, I never do this. You got to take the whole counsel of God. God's always trying to find this balance where our motives are right. So he'll rebuke one thing and then encourage another. Why? Just take it in the context he's saying. He's rebuking some people because they're out of control. When he says, don't judge lest you be judged, if you read the whole context of that, he's talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees who never ever judged themselves. They just beat everybody else up. And then behind closed doors, they're full of sin. That's the whole point of that. But some people take that one scripture and say, oh, we, I can't, we can't judge anybody. We can't judge anything. Well, that's just not true. We judge every day. I mean, we, we say, well, I don't want to go to that restaurant. I don't like their food. Or, I mean, we judge stuff all the time. Man, I, I like my, the color of my car to be white or red or black or purple. I, I mean, we judge, we judge stuff constantly. And so we always have to take things in context. And so when, when, when God's talking about let our light shine, the light we have is his light. Okay, so Julie and I, when we were in business, uh, we were transferred and promoted to Lubbock in uh, we had owned a, our first home was an older home, um, and uh, we after having an older home that we had to put a ton of money into, and always had to every extra penny we had, we had to fix something, do something, repair something, and uh, so we um, when we moved to Lubbock, we bought a new house. It was just a few years old, uh, brick, nice. Nice looking. It wasn't real big, but it was brand new and brick, and it had new new appliances. And man, it was nice. We wanted. We'd been in a really old house. Now we're in a newer house. Well, uh, it was it was in a nice part of Lubbock, in the south part of Lubbock, right off of Frankfurt and that area. And man, when we started going to the church and uh, God moved and we went into ministry. Um, people started coming to our house, and every time they'd come to our house, they would say, oh, you got a nice home. Almost like, what are you doing with this house? Well, I would always say, well, hold on a second. Well, I bought this when I was in business. I, I, you know, I'm not, I, don't have, I didn't get this because of the ministry. And I was always trying to defend myself and defend us. And like, we're not taking money, I promise. And we're not in it for the money. We lost money. We lost a ton of money going into the ministry. But I was always justifying it and, and, not, and instead of just saying, well, God's good. 
and bragging on God. You know, hey, when you honor God with your finances, this is what he does. He does what he says he's going to do. Instead of bragging on God, we were always making excuses. And, and, you know, I was always saying, trying to downplay it. And, you know, everything we had that was nice, we downplayed. And we felt like we were in this glass house of the ministry. We can't have anything nice. And, and so, you know, the next, so the next move, we moved to Clovis, New Mexico. And we end up with this older house again we go backwards except this one is a lot older than the one we had in Oklahoma and it's falling apart and I had a lot less money that I had a lot of money in business we could fix things we didn't have hardly any money and I had to fix things now those of you who have been around a while know I can't fix stuff I can tear stuff up but I'm not good at fixing it. So it was a absolute nightmare. Every extra penny we had, every, I was constantly, I was never home where I wasn't fixing something. I mean, I've shocked myself. I, I tore up plumbing. I mean, I tore up. I, man, it was not good. Not good. And so one day, I'm madder than a hornet. I'm like, I'm out in my front yard. I'm kind of pacing around. I'm like, man, God, everything in this house is falling apart. What in the world? Blah, I'm just griping to him, man. God, I, I, you know I can't fix stuff. And I, God, we don't have any money. And man, and da, da, da. And I'm like, why in the world am I in this house? And he said, because you asked for it. I said, how? I didn't know. What do you mean I asked for it? He said, every time someone would come over, with the house I blessed you with, that new house in Lubbock, instead of bragging on me, you made excuses, you downplayed it, you, you acted, you, you, you were ashamed of it. He said, this is what you wanted right here. You ashamed of this? Yeah, I am, just in a different way, Lord. <laughs> and, and I went and I, 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 I talked to God for about two hours that day about this very subject. And I went and told Julie, I said, Julie, we're never, ever going to make excuses. We're never, ever going to downplay the blessings that God has blessed us with Amen. ever again. Never again. Now, I didn't say that for our benefit. I said it for yours. When, when, when Pastor Sean was talking about let your light shine, you know, that people will see and say, man, look what God's done for them. Look what God's doing for them. That we say, that's right. Now, when people come to our house and say, man, you got a nice home, I'm like, isn't God good? Man, I'm bragging. I'm like, oh, God. And I'm looking out of the corner of my eye like, you hearing this, Lord? I'm not. I don't want to know that. I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to go back to after fixing everything in that house. You know I can't fix it anyway. Seriously, I, I make sure we brag on God. We talk, I mean, how good he is, how faithful he is to his word, and our light shines brighter and brighter and brighter. Do not, do not let someone talk you out of letting the light that God has shined on you, in you, and through you, and on you. Do not let guilt, shame, condemnation, or Satan talk you out of bragging on how good, not how good you are, but how good Jesus Christ, how good God is. Everything we have is a gift. I said every, every good thing we have is a gift. It says in James chapter 1 that every good gift, gift, 
gift. Sometimes we think we've earned it. No, it's a gift for every good thing is a gift from God. We can't earn anything. That's why Jesus had to come and die for our sins. He gifted us a relationship. He gifted us forgiveness. He gifts us all these blessings. And man, I'm gonna brag on my father. You need to brag on your God every time something good happens. You need to brag on God, thank God, praise God, and let shout it from the rooftops. My God is good. My God is good. My God is good. Shout it from the rooftops. Let that light shine, the light of Christ shine in your life, and don't go backwards. Man, it, is, it was ugly going backwards. It was ugly. Then we got our attitude right, and man, we moved to Roswell, and uh, man, God, we lived in a, a double-wide trailer house out on the Clovis Highway, looking, we were what, looking to buy a house, and man, the first house we bought here, we looked for two years. Actually, Julie looked for two years. I settled about 15 times before that. I'm like, this house is good. Nope. This house is all right. No, let's just, let's just buy this one. Nope. So Julie looked for two years, and then it worked out extremely well. And we moved up, Amen. not down. And it was really nice to do that because then I, had, I didn't have to fix stuff. Praise the Lord. James chapter one, verse three. He said, for you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power. I like how the passion said, it stirs up power within you. We talked about this power, the power of faith to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release. So it stirs up power the power of endurance, the power of faith, the power of endurance, because faith and endurance, patience go hand in hand. That's how we receive all the promises of God. Then it says, and then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection, maturity, into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Amen. Nothing crack-a-lacking, man. I mean nothing. <laughs> Just, I mean, God is moving. You are, you're at peace. You're, you're content. God is moving in your life. It's the flow of your life. The flow of your life is now that God is moving. He's moving and he never stops moving. That's, that becomes the flow of your life. Whether he's, whether he's burning off stuff that doesn't belong or molding you into something even better. Amen. But the, the flow of your life now is different. When you allow God's power, you allow the testing of your faith not to defeat you, but to make you stronger. And, and, and we all know it's a choice because we know those who have, who have been tested and tried and just quit and give up. And we, didn't, we know those who fall but get back up. Amen. No matter how many times they fall, they just keep getting back up and getting back up and getting back up. Go with me to 1 Corinthians, if you will. 1 Corinthians, chapter, chapter let me see where we're going. Chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, talks about something very similar to this, starting in verse 6. It says this, for the reality, everybody say reality of the truth of Christ. 
is seen among you and strengthened through your experience of him. Man, the more you experience God, the more you experience his, him, him moving in your life, the more you take faith steps and, and see, okay, this worked, this didn't work, uh, but no matter how it works out, I'm going to learn, I'm going to grow, I'm going to get stronger. The more you experience that, the more you experience him, good things are going to happen. Good things are going to happen. For the reality of the truth of Christ is seen among you and strengthened through your experience of him. So now you aren't lacking any spiritual gift as you eagerly await the unveiling of the Lord Jesus, the anointed one. He will keep you steady and strong to the very end. Making your character mature. He says basically the same thing. As you experience Christ, as you step out in faith, as you experience life with Jesus submitted to the lordship of Christ, you're going to get steadier. You're going to be more stable. You're going to be stronger. It says it again. And your character is going to be more mature. And that maturity is going to just continue to produce better and better results, not just for you. Listen, once we're saved, now, now, now God equips us to do two things. And that is to advance his kingdom and help other people. Amen. We're not saved just in and of ourselves. He said, if you'll take care of those things, you put my kingdom first, I'll take care of you. But he's always trying to get us to put his kingdom first. When we're saved, we're saved for that purpose. To advance God's cause. He said, I'll make rich those who favor my righteous cause. He said, I'll take care of you. If you'll take care of my business, I'll take care of your business. And so, but each time we step out in faith, each time we start to grow, we get stronger. We get stronger. We get more steady. We get more mature. He says this, your character mature so that you will be found innocent on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is forever faithful and can be trusted to do this in you. For he has invited you to co-share the life of his son, Jesus, the anointed one, our king. Another translation of that verse says, we are co-heirs with Christ Jesus. We are seated in heavenly places right next to Jesus. And when we recognize that and we begin to operate step and, and don't, don't take testing or trials or, or challenges to our faith as a negative, but embrace them and say, let's go, God. I want to grow. I want to get stronger. I want to be more steady. I want to be more mature. I know that if you're for me, uh, uh, no one can be against me. I know that you turn everything around for my good. I know that even what was meant for evil always turns out in my favor. The one who said that was Joseph in Genesis when he talked to his brothers who sold him into slavery and then he ended up in prison. Now he's running all of Egypt. He's cat daddy. He's the head Fred. Pharaoh went on vacation, said, you take care of it, Joseph. You got it. And Joseph, had, he, had a, he had Pharaoh's authority over all of Egypt. And he said to his brothers, his brothers are like, man, we're sorry, Joseph, we did this because little brother could kill him now. You mess with little brother, then all of a sudden little brother rises up here. He's like, huh, you might need little brother. And so he, that they're, they're weeping, apologizing to him, and some of them out of fear, some of them out of true repentance. And Joseph said, Joseph's weeping, and he said, listen, guys, what you, 
what the Satan intended for evil and you guys intended for evil, God oh, had his hand on my life. And this is the good that came out of it. I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm, I'm promoted. But Joseph embraced those challenges. He embraced it. When he got sold into slavery, it said that Joseph would not bow down to the Egyptian gods, that he honored God even as a slave, and that God's hand in favor was upon him, that everything Joseph touched was blessed. When he got falsely accused of rape and thrown into prison as a truly innocent man, he went into that prison and he became, he became the head of the prison's right-hand guy. Because God said his hand was upon him and his favor was upon Joseph. Why? Because God, Joseph didn't, he didn't, he didn't uh, complain and gripe his way out of prison or complain and gripe his way out of slavery and say, God, how dare you test me like this or how dare the Satan attack me like this. He said, bring it on. I'm going to get stronger because, God, you're for me. You live in me. You're my God. You're my father. I'm your child, and I know you'll work everything to make me steadier, stronger, more mature in character, and this will turn out good. In my end, we'll be good. And that, that's how we approached it. And God had his hand of favor on him all the time. Years ago, years ago, because, man, I, you know, my brother and I, you can ask my mama, we grew up, we were, we were champion complainers. I mean, if there, was a, if there was a championship, I guarantee you we'd have been contending for the belt. I mean, we could complain and pick apart anything. And, I, you know, after I got saved, that, that carried over in my life. So when negative things would happen, I'd do, I'd do what a lot of people would do. And all you people, all the sanctified people out there looking like you've never done this before, I look and go, God, what's up with that? What, 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 what? What? Like, what? Like, why are you allowing this? Why is this happening? And why is that? And I'm a, I'm a, I ask a lot of questions anyway, just naturally. God just put it in me to ask a lot of questions. So I mean, I'd be like, why are you doing this? And why is this happening? Why? I mean, I'm just, but it's all in a griping, almost like an accusatory attitude. And I would later repent and say, God, I'm so sorry. How, who am I to ever question you? But I, years ago, I said, God, I, I don't like failing you like this. You know, I value. How many of you value really, really loyal, loyal people in your life? Well, God's the same way. He values loyalty. And so I began to pray and say, God, man, every time something negative happens, man, it's like, I pit myself against you. I know better, and I always repent, but I hate it that I respond like that. So years ago, I began to pray, God, teach me how to be loyal. Teach me how to be loyal. And not only did God hear it, but Satan heard it and said, oh, let's, let's just find out how you're going to react to this, and to this, and to this, and to this, and to this. And he started, I mean, Thing after thing came, but I'm telling you, God taught me through that process that I don't, I don't, I don't gripe like that to him. I don't, I don't complain to him. I'm not going to gripe to him. 
Man, he's taught my heart to be loyal. I, I asked him to teach me, and he's taught me, and he'll teach you too. Because you cannot gripe and complain your way. You can, but you will fail every time. Every faith test you have, you will fail if you turn on God. He is the source of every good. He's the source of every answer you need. So instead of turning on him or forsaking him or complaining to him or pointing a finger at him, we need to turn and humble ourselves before him and say, God, God, I submit my life to you. My life belongs to you. And I know even this evil that's come to attack my life is going to turn around. That little does Satan know, he set me up for victory, not failure. This is setting me up for victory, not failure. That's mature character. I said, that's mature character. You want to create spiritual momentum in your life? This is how you do it. You have to be able to take on those trials, those tests, those temptations, those issues of life and say, God, my heart is loyal. And not only my heart, but my attitude is loyal. My imagination is loyal and the, the fruit of my mouth will be loyal. The fruit of my mouth will be loyal. I'll be loyal to you, Lord. I'm not going to turn on you. I'm not going to turn against you. I'm not going to complain and gripe. I'm going to learn all that you have for me to learn. I'm going to overcome everything that comes after me, at, at me, because you said I'm more than a conqueror. You said, Jesus, that you've overcome this world. Be of good cheer. You told me to have a good attitude. Be of good cheer, because you've overcome this world. Uh, and you said, we will too. Because you did, we will. That's the attitude. That's the moral mature. That's the maturity of character that he's talking about. That you walk through these things and you grow. You, in, you grow. Even when you fail, you grow. You grow from that failure. I, I grew from those failures. Because instead of griping and complaining for two or three weeks until something good happened, and then I'd be ashamed of myself. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'd be ashamed of myself, like, golly, God, you're so good, and you turned this around. And here I worried all night. I was afraid <coughs> that this was going to fail or this wouldn't work out. And, man, it just, and, man, and then I, I, I've been griping and complaining this whole month, and every time that came up, I was mad. And I was, you know, and I know in my heart of hearts, I was really mad at you. I was full of doubt and unbelief. Like, where, where are you at? Man, I'm speaking the word. What are you doing? And then I would repent after he would come through. and he, It's like he would come through, and I'd be like, golly, how dumb was that? Man, why did I do that? And, and I just never want to be a disloyal uh, servant of God. I don't want to be a disloyal son. I don't want to be a disloyal friend. He's, he's loyal to me. He's loyal to you. Let's be loyal to him. Let's be loyal to him. That's why he said, don't worry. Quit worrying. Quit being anxious about things. In all things. In all things, prayer. Pray. Seek me, he said. Seek me. Supplicate, which means, man, get serious. Get a little more intense. Get a little more specific. So pray, supplicate, get a little more serious, get a little more specific, and thank me. 
that I'm coming through, that I'm faithful and I'm loyal. God is loyal. God is not, he just isn't loyal, he is loyalty. He's not just royalty, he's loyalty. He, when he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, he means it. And no matter, no matter how many times I've griped and complained or been mad or frustrated or, or hurt or whatever, blaming God, man, he's always standing right there by me. And eventually my shame of that got me to start praying, God, teach my heart, teach my lips, teach my attitude to be loyal to you. That's, and then you'll, you'll receive you, you'll, you'll, you'll develop some spiritual momentum, and like I keep saying, through faith and patience, endurance. That part of being enduring is being loyal, being steady, being steadfast. Keep doing what you're, what you're doing until you see the result. He said all of his promises, all of them are yours. All of them. Through faith and patience, you inherit all the promises of God. It's already given to us. It's already our inheritance. He's already written it. He's already sealed it in his blood, and it belongs to us right now. We inherit all the promises of God. It is our inheritance. We have it available. But walking in it is going to take some spiritual momentum and spiritual maturity. And it only can be created by growing through these things, through these situations, through these tests of our faith. That's where you develop it. That's how you end up with victory. I said, that's how you end up with victory. Now I'm gonna look at something here, Matthew 17. Matthew 17 is a very interesting account of God's people confronting our enemy. And so tonight, I'm gonna talk a little bit about this. So, uh, Matthew 17, verse 14 says this. They came to where a large crowd had gathered to wait for Jesus. It's talking about the disciples, the apostles, and, and Jesus. And it said, a man came and knelt before him and said, Lord, please show your tender mercy toward my son. He has a demon who afflicts him. There's two types of affliction with people with mental deficiencies, mental um, uh, illness. One is... One involves demonic activity. The other one involves a physical, uh, physiological, chemical imbalance. So some need healing, some need deliverance. Knowing the difference in that comes with spiritual maturity. I said the other day uh, to the staff and on Two Minute Tuesday that God wants to take us from, for, from hindsight where we can look back and hopefully learn lessons that we bring into the future, but he wants us to, instead of reacting to our life and just looking backwards and saying, well, I should have done, could have, would have, if I would have, he wants to take us from hindsight to insight, which insight is insight into your current position, your present circumstances. He wants to take us from hindsight to insight to foresight, Amen. where we can see out in front of us. So we but he wants to take us from hindsight, learning from our past, growing from, from, those, from the victories and the mistakes, to insight where we know the difference between somebody that has a physiological, that needs physical healing versus somebody who needs a demon cast out of them and needs deliverance. We're dealing with the biggest health, mental health crisis in the history known to man in America right now. 
They're giving out more mental medications. Some of you are probably on them right now than they ever have in the history of the world. And America is the most mentally medicated country times two over the closest country to us. And the pharmaceutical companies are saying the solution to every problem is a pill. No, the solution to mental illness is the healing power of Jesus and the deliverance, the delivering power of Jesus. The young people who are shooting up places and they shot up a 4th of July deal, shooting up schools and hospitals and doing all this stuff. Guys, it is a, it is a serious demonic issue. The world cannot solve it. They think they solve it by, let's, let's take all the guns. Let's do this. Let's do that. Man, Chicago, Illinois, the state of Illinois is the most gun-controlled state in the United States. They have the greatest, but they had 65 shootings, 67 shootings just this last weekend. I don't know how many dead, wounded. I mean, it was crazy. And they have the greatest gun control, Chicago does, of any city in the United States, yet they're the murder capital of the world. So it has nothing to do with guns. It has everything to do with who has guns. And if they're demon-possessed or need healing, physiological healing, a chemical imbalance of that some type, but it's going to take the body of Christ, not just operating with hindsight, looking back and say, well, coulda, shoulda, did it, but insight that we know what's happening right now so that when God takes you from hindsight to insight, then when you operate in the maturity of that, he'll take you to foresight and you'll start seeing things way out in front. But it's a mature process. And he talks about it. Jesus is about to talk about it right here. But I want you to know, people are still demonically possessed today. And the world has zero solutions. Zero solutions. Nada. They can do nothing. And are doing nothing except medicating the heck out of people, trying to drown out all that stuff. But man, guys, when they're demon-possessed, it's not gonna matter. Those demons don't care. And so anyway, he says he, was, he has epilepsy and he suffers horribly from seizures. He often falls into the cooking fire or into the river. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy we're going to read a scripture here in a moment, we might, hopefully if we get to it, that Jesus said, Satan's a liar and a murderer. First he'll lie, and then he'll murder. And he's lying to this young man. He's been lying to this young man and his family, and now he wants to kill this child by throwing him in the fire or throwing him in the river and drowning him. He don't care if he burns him alive or drowns him. Satan don't care. He's a liar and a murderer. And he says this, I brought him to your followers, but they weren't able to heal him. Jesus replied, where is your faith? He's a, this is a rebuke. Can't, can't you see how wayward and wrong this generation is? How much longer do I stay with you and put up with your doubts? Bring your son to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was instantly healed. That's the authority and power of Jesus Christ over the devil. Yeah. 
Later, the disciples came to him privately and asked, why couldn't we cast out the demon? He told them, it was because of your lack of faith. They got intimidated. They were intimidated. I remember a situation a long time ago that I was dealing with a demon-possessed woman. She came, made an appointment with me, and she's a young woman, and she, she had like three or four kids from three or four different men, and she had a lot of problems. And she came, and she said, listen, I know Jesus can help me. And I said, what, what's the issue? She said, man, I have this foul demon of lust. She said, it's, it's, I know it's demonic, and I need help. She said, my life is an absolute wreck. I go from man to man, problem to problem, issue to issue. She said, and she was a pretty girl, so it, it was easy for that, that spirit to manipulate her and to get other people involved. And She said, I'm not just destroying my life. I'm destroying all my kids' lives, and I'm destroying the lives of these other men too. So I said, okay. I said, well, in the name of Jesus, demon, come out. And I'll never forget that she looked at me and, and uh, screamed. I mean, some blood-curdling screams. And I said, okay, let's pray. So I said, I, I began to lead her in a prayer. And when it came to saying that Jesus Christ was the Lord of her life, she stopped. I said, go ahead and say it. And she, she wouldn't say anything. And finally I said, why won't you say it? She goes, he won't let me. There was another demon there, a bigger demon that was inside of her controlling all of this. He won't let me. So I, I said, well, he's got to go too. Whoever he is has got to go. In the name of Jesus, go. And I'll never forget that demon lied and said, looked up at me and he, she said in a man's voice, a very deep, guttural man's voice, you can't cast me out. You're all alone here. Well, I was in my office, but I had the door open because, and there was ladies sitting out in the foyer. Anytime I ministered to a woman, I always had the door open and those ladies could hear what was going on. And I, but I, I, I realized, you know what? I, I am in my office by myself and I'm thinking, oh my gosh. And then I realized I'm having a conversation with the devil, with a demon. I'm going to give you a little tip here. Never have a conversation with a demon or the devil because everything coming out of their mouth is a lie. You know how we know we shouldn't? Ask Eve. Ask Eve. And then Adam was standing right there by her. He allowed the conversation. He should have rebuked that, the devil right then. He should have said, he had the authority. He had the authority to kick him out. He, all he had to say was, get out of here. God's giving me authority over this place. You know it, get out. No, he allowed the conversation and Eve had a conversation. I realized that that devil got, to, got me to doubt for a second. Like, oh no, I am kind of alone. Then I thought, oh no, that's a lie. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost right here. And you got to go in Jesus' name. And that demon left her. She was never the same again. I'm telling you, her life turned a radical 180. I mean radical. She was free. I mean, it was radical change in her life. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this to you right now. Don't have conversations with the devil. And most of you don't even realize most human beings have conversations with the devil all day long. 
Because he's throwing thoughts at you. He's, he's trying to exchange some ideas. And he's been working on us in this world for thousands and thousands of years and been working on all of us for our lifetime to make us, to render us powerless and weak. To render us powerless and weak. What does God say about the power that is within us compared to the power that's in this world? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. He's saying greater is the power of the Holy Spirit of God in us than the devil and all his demons combined. Greater is in us. But we can't go on having tons of conversations with the devil and rolling those conversations around in our head. And, and let him continue to sow thoughts, lies, deceptions, illusions. Allowing him to intimidate us. Scare us. Make us fearful. Cause us to dread and worry and operate in anxiety. We can't continue to, to have conversations with him about temptation. We got to cut him off. Listen, you want to be rude to somebody? Be rude to the devil. Cut him off. Amen. Stop the conversation. Quit having it with him. Jesus goes on. He said, and he told them, it was because of your lack of faith, I promise you, if you have faith inside of you no bigger than the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move away from here and go over there and you will see it move. There is nothing you couldn't do, or there is nothing impossible to you. But this kind of demon is cast out only through prayer and fasting. Let, let, me, let me deal with this real quick, the prayer and fasting thing. He's saying, listen, this demon will come out. He didn't, he said, he didn't say it wasn't going to come out. He said, you could deal with it, but you're going to have to fast and pray. What is fasting and praying? Seeking God. Seeking God's authority, God's wisdom, God's strength, God's power. He said, you're going to need a little bit more. You're going to have to press in. You're going to have to press into the things of God and, and you're going to, because you're going to need a little more power. You're going to need a little more faith. You're going to need a little more strength. I love the comparison because I love how God speaks to us that he compares a mustard seed to a mountain. I love the comparison. A mustard seed, if I had it, you couldn't see it. It's, so, it's the size of a pinhead. He compares, the, he compares something the size of a pinhead in his kingdom to a massive mountain and says, this little bit of thing in my kingdom is bigger than that mountain. Then he says, I'm telling you this so you'll know that no matter how impossible it looks, no matter how improbable it looks, no matter how big it looks, if you have faith in me and in my promise to you, that mountain that looks impossible will move if you have faith in me. That's what he's saying. That's what he's comparing it to. And God knows he created the mustard seed to become a mustard tree. He's saying, not only is a little bitty faith in my kingdom is capable of moving mountains, making the impossible possible. He said, but as a mustard seed, you're, I want you to continue growing your faith. 
to you're not just a, you don't just have a mustard seed of faith, you're a mustard tree. What does a mustard tree do? It produces other seeds. What does a mustard tree do? It provides for others around you. That your faith grows to a level where you're a blessing to other people around you. That your faith rubs up on them. And that we all grow together in faith. That we all continue to stand up. Satan's strongholds on people should not discourage us. He's saying, this one didn't come out when you said it to in my name, but that shouldn't have discouraged you. You should have pressed in and got the victory. Listen, if you're being discouraged by something that looks like a mountain and looks impossible in your life, you need to, don't run away, don't lay down, press in. Fast and pray. Fast and pray, fast. Fast food, fast TV, fast all the other junk you're doing and seek God. Say, God, give me the strength. Give me the insight. Give me the, give me the wisdom. Give me the power to overcome this mountain. Because there's nothing impossible for you, God. And you told me if I believe in you, there'll be nothing impossible for me either. If I believe in you, nothing will be impossible to me either. You got to get serious. I'm not done teaching on this. Next Wednesday, I'm going to teach on it. Again. Oh, I'm not going to be here next Wednesday. Who's preaching next Wednesday, Pastor? Big Jim's preaching next Wednesday. They do a great job. Where am I going to be? I'm going to be, I'm going to be uh, getting fired up for the men's advance. Well, I'm preaching Thursday night. You better get ready. All you men better get ready. Because I, 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 I tell you, God's just stoking a fire inside of me Amen. for that Thursday night. We're going to, that fire is going to turn into an explosion. We need to get serious. When you face serious issues, you have to get serious. You have to press in. God created us to overcome. 1 John 3, 8, we're going to end with this. Jesus said this, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That he might destroy, he was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And he's empowered us by his Spirit to be part of that plan of destroying the works of the devil in our lives and the lives of people around us. God never does anything just, he does stuff just for us, but it never should stay with us. He does it for us so that we can minister and help others. Everything has a purpose, and that purpose is always to honor God, bless us so we can be a blessing to everything. Everything has that purpose in God's kingdom. I said everything has that purpose to honor God, to bless us so we can be a blessing. Everything has that purpose. Everything. Listen, every eye closed here and online, I just want you to consider your life. 
The Bible says in James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. The reason the devil's messing with you, the reason that you're living a lie and an illusion, that he's got a stronghold in your mind about who you are and what you are, that maybe pride has a stronghold in your mind, maybe you feel like a failure and that's a stronghold in your mind, it means it has a stronghold of you. Lies, deceptions, illusions have a strong. Maybe you think, maybe the, the thought that he's put in your mind, because he only has thoughts. He only has thoughts. He messes with your mind. Maybe you think, man, I've sinned so much, there's no way. That's a lie, too. It is written that when sin abounded, God's grace abounds even more. He didn't cancel out sin even. He overwhelmed sin by his blood. His holiness overwhelms it. And he can forgive you too. I said he can forgive you too. Just like he forgave me. So many others in this room. So many others online. Maybe the lie is that Nothing will ever be good. If I didn't have bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Those are all, those are all demonic thoughts in order to steal from you the destiny God has from you. To kill off any joy you have and eventually destroy your life. Have we not seen that enough? Or, rather, or better question is, have you seen enough of it? Are you done? Letting the devil run roughshod over your life, over your family, over your children. Over your relationships, over your physical, mental health, over your job, your finances. He'll run roughshod over you and he'll keep you around just to make other people's lives miserable. And yours more miserable. Jesus came to destroy his works. He came to set you free. Free from what? Satan's stronghold. Satan's power. From evil and no good. So sin and evil cannot dominate us anymore. Instead of being a blessing to others, we're a curse. Are you done? Are you finished with that? Are you done playing the kingdom of darkness's games? And you're ready for God's kingdom, the kingdom of light. Jesus said, Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come. Jesus came to give life, an abundant life. He came to give you a life here worth living and giving away. He came to give you life in heaven forever instead of hell in Forever. That's why Jesus came. He came to tell us the truth. Instead of believing all the lies, he wants us to know the truth. For he is the, the way, the truth, and the life. His name is Jesus, and he came and died for your sins, your sins and my sins. He rose from the dead because sin and death cannot conquer him. He conquered them for us. And he's offering you a gift. That you can't earn. 
You can't be good enough or bad enough. We couldn't be enough of anything. But he was more than enough. And he wants to set you free. He wants to teach you how to fight. He wants to teach you how to stand. He wants to save your life now and forever. But you have a choice. Jesus or Satan, God's wonderful, beautiful, life-giving kingdom, or Satan's ugly, horrible, death kingdom, cult of death. You choose. If you've never prayed and said, God, I choose you, Tired of Satan running roughshod over me. I need you to be my God, my Lord, my King, my Messiah, my Savior, my Rescuer. And I gladly give this life to you. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And guys, he'll do both. He'll, he'll receive you into his kingdom. Make you a son or a daughter. And he'll teach you. It's a process of how to live as a free person instead of a slave. He'll teach you how to live the life he came to give you and how to give it away. That's what he'll do. And when you die, you'll go to heaven. You'll be found innocent. But those who reject Jesus' blood, his forgiveness, his love, they'll be found guilty. Their own choice. But if you've never prayed and you want to pray today, this isn't about buying some fire insurance. This is about saying, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. My life is no longer my own. I'm giving it to you, just like you gave me your life to save me. Or maybe you've prayed before. You've ran away from home, but God didn't run away from you. He ran after you, not away from you. Because he loves you. He wants you to come home. And you need to do that tonight. So whether it's your first time or your next time online, right now, if you're going to pray, right now, send us a message. Get online. Send us a message. I'm praying to get right with God for the first time or the next time, right now online. In this room, I'm going to ask you on the count of three to raise your hand. And say, it's me. I need to get right with God tonight. I'm going to get right with God. I'm giving him my whole life. Everything about me. Everything I have. Everything, my mind, my will, my emotions, my intellect, my body, my spirit is all his. I'm surrendering to him tonight. All I have. In exchange, he'll give you all he has. It's crazy cool how that is. So online, send the message in this room. On the count of three, raise your hand and say, it's me. And then we're all going to pray right where you're seated. Here we go. One, two, three. Raise your hand and say, I'm going to get right with God tonight. Thank you. All over this room. Thank you. All over the room. Thank you. 
online. They're sending their message. So after you sent that, let's pray now. Online or right here. Maybe you're listening to this Thursday night or Friday night, whenever. It's still good. Pray. Pray. Get right with God. It's the most important decision of, uh, in the universe right here, right now. So all those that raise their hand, all those that are watching live online, let's pray right now. Say this. Say, God. Church, let's help them. God, I believe you are God and God alone. There are no other gods but you. And you love us. Love me. You sent Jesus and he died on a cross for my sins. And you raised him from the dead. And he defeated the works of the devil. Sin, it's slavery and death to save my life. Thank you for doing that for me. And because I believe it, I say from my heart, out of my mouth, that Jesus, you are the Lord, Jesus Christ, of my life. I surrender my whole life to you. And I thank you for receiving me into your kingdom and sending the Holy Spirit, the greater one, to live inside of me right now. And I ask you, Father, by the blood of Jesus, because he's the Lord of my life, to forgive me of all my sins And help me put my past behind me and look forward to the future you have for me. Teach me, Lord, how to live life, an abundant life, for you, for me, and those around me. Thank you for saving my life, restoring my life. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for how good He is. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.